All right, we're back. We're live. Episode 7, Bird Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Took a little bit of a break over the last couple weeks. Last we left off on episode 6, we had my buddy Justin on, covered multiple different topics on. Fun show, but been busy couple weeks since then. Haven't been able to get back on, record anything. Finally just pulled myself out of the depths of life, we'll call it and sat down this afternoon. I've got about a two-hour window time frame period to do this. We just got the puppies back inside. They're sleeping, put them in their kennels, and yeah, they're six weeks old now, so they'll probably be sleeping for the next two hours before we'll have to get them out, take them out to the bathroom, and start the routine of puppy play all over again. It's kind of coming in waves of about two hours right now throughout the day but puppies are six weeks old they're all doing really good i'm excited for all the pups all their personalities are really starting to come out and it seems like every pup has a little bit of uh an adventurous fun bold confident spirit in it so i'm excited to see how each pup translates to its adult grown hunting form and i think everybody that has one is going to be really really happy with the dog they get so we've been doing our best to try and get the dogs a head start on everything, kennel training, potty training, letting them explore throughout the our yard and just introducing them to the world. So puppies go home here soon and from there I leave and head to Montana and we're going to get into that on this show, specifically talking about the trip I'm doing and prep work that I'm doing for this trip, all the packing, the organization that I'm doing to stay out there for a duration of time that is about three weeks and i plan on leaving here around the 6th of september i'm not going to be out there for the opener but i do plan on staying till the end of the month so right around plus or minus three weeks of travel and hunting time out in montana so looking forward to it and we're going to go ahead and dive into how i'm preparing for this trip the things i'm packing and Kind of to give you, to set the story of what I'll be doing on this trip is I'll be utilizing my truck to not just travel, but also basically living out of it. So if you, you know, you see van life people or, you know, traveling mobile people, that's kind of the, that's kind of what I'm going for here on this run. I'll be using my truck, converting a few things to be able to sleep in it and also live in it for three weeks. And I've been working probably the last two weeks here getting everything lined up in the truck how i'm gonna utilize every space and what i'm gonna exactly use all the parts for so i've been getting it set up doing some dry runs with it the last two weeks uh, making a list of everything that i need to get for the trip itself do for the truck and yeah i think i've got everything for the most part sorted out got a few loose ends to tie up uh, but if you want to see a run through of the truck and how I set up, how I have it set up, I'm not going to dive too much into that here. I did one video of it. It's on our YouTube and you can go check that video out. It's about five minutes long, but it gives, I give a good run through of how I have the truck set up with my kennels, how I'm using the space to store certain things and how I plan on using it for the duration of my trip, whether I'm traveling or sleeping or storing whatever I need to have. So go ahead, check that out. If you want to see the truck itself, that's on our YouTube travel on our YouTube channel. And 
Outside all that, we had a product, a new product launch at the end of July. We launched a new line of performance shirts. It's called the Field Bread Performance Shirt. We have short sleeve, long sleeve options available. So it's been uh, keeping us busy getting ready for that launch, uh, getting the product, even before that, designing the product, and now actually having it in hand to you know, sell. So I, where this shirt is really going to shine is on trips like this. And I can take a shirt like this. It's a super lightweight, easy to pack shirt. I can condense it down really small and I can get multiple days use out of one shirt. So if I pack four or five of these shirts, I'm looking at three, four, five days of use out of one shirt because they're antimicrobial. So they're odor resistant. Uh, you can wear them for multiple days in a row and still be able to continue using the same shirt. So that's what I'm excited about with this shirt. Go ahead, check them out, uplanderlifestyle.com. And now let's get into the trip itself a little bit more. I'll be traveling to Montana, hunting for three weeks. I'll be taking four dogs with me. It'll be, uh, I'll have my male Yeti, two females, Ember and Aspen, and then our newest addition to the pack. She'll be 10 weeks at the time that we leave. It's a pup we're keeping out of the litter we have right now. Her name, I believe my wife and I have decided on the name Fox. So it's going to be fun and interesting traveling with a puppy, but I'm excited to take the pup on the trip for me just because the fact that this dog is basically being born into the bird dog world. So I think it's pretty cool that once the dog, you know, is weaned off a of mom and ready to start, you know, doing other things, I'm ta basically taking this pup and heading to Montana and She's going to learn the ropes of being a bird dog for a few weeks at such a young age, and I think it's just going to be a fun time from her. She's going to get to see some feathers, a few dead birds, run around in some fields a little bit, go on fun puppy walks, and yeah, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I know there's also going to be uh, some setbacks with taking a 10-week-old pup on a trip like this. You know, I'm going to have to be making multiple stops for potty breaks on a trip every few hours while traveling with it. It's not going to be like my other dogs that can, you know, hold their bladders for a pretty extended amount of time. And we're making a, you know, a stop every five, six, seven, eight hours with this, you know, I'm going to have to be stopping every two to three uh, hours. Maybe I can squeeze out a little bit more time, but that's probably what it's going to be. And yeah, just one of the things that comes with traveling with a young puppy. And then also just, you know, trying to continue her potty training on a trip like this while we're away from home and I'm going out hunting, the dog's going to be in a kennel and yeah, it's just going to be a couple of the challenges with taking a pup, but I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So getting into packing for this trip and my setup a little bit more. So I'll be, like I said, I'll be in my truck. I have a cap on the back of my truck. It is a, it's not a it's a double cab truck. It's not an extended cab. So I have a little more smaller space in the back seat. And then I have the full six foot bed. And then getting into packing for this trip, it's my whole overall goal to be pretty streamlined and efficient with how I'm packing. I've learned a lot in the sense of packing over the last decade. I've done a lot of hunting trips, a lot of trips out west, whether it was for some of my filming stuff that I did for TV shows or even personal trips that my wife and I did. We did a couple of trips out west camping. 
And then also we're pretty big into camping back here. So I'm not an expert at living out of my truck. That's going to be like the constantly evolving thing here is how I have the truck set up. But what I'm trying to be good at is packing and that's packing smart and taking the important things, bulking up on that, and then getting rid of the things that I don't need so much. There's things that you need and then there's things that you think you need. So what I wanna do is try and talk about all the things that I feel are noteworthy or worth mentioning when packing. And this includes, I'll just read off uh, what I have down on the show sheet here. So the different topics and discussion points I have for packing are clothes, hygiene and self-care, sleeping, food, dogs. Dogs is a big one on this one. I'm gonna go into everything that I have for the dogs and then also first aid kits and i have one main box as a first aid kit and then i also have a smaller first aid kit that i carry in my vest so we're going to dive through all of that as well and then vehicle prep things that you should be considering to have your your you know your vehicle up to date on all its maintenance oil changes things like that before taking off on a trip like this across the country and then lastly, getting into a, just a miscellaneous kind of pile of gear. So, you know, headlamps, lanterns, batteries, things that you should be taking extra of and things that you might not really need at the end of the day. So I'm going to cover all those different topics on this. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And I'm just going to really mention the stuff that I think is important. Like I'm not going to get in and talk about the type of pants that I'm taking or different brands of things. Um, I'm just going to talk about my experience with packing and things that you really should be considering to take on a trip like that. So let's go ahead and we're going to start off with clothes. And with clothes, I always tend to overpack. And I'm trying to really limit the amount of things that I'm going to take on this trip. And I'm going to look at it from the aspect of, do I really need this? Am I going to wear it? I know it's always better to have more and be prepared and not need it versus not have something and need it. But I think there's a certain, there's a few things that I can pull out that I normally take that I don't think I need to take so much of, especially when I'm talking about shirts and top layers. It seems like I'm always taking too many shirts, uh, too many hoodies or jackets, and even pants as well. Like I'll be like, oh, maybe we'll, you know, we'll go out and I'll just wear this pair of pants or something. And that never really happens on a hunting trip. So just trying to limit that kind of stuff and really just think about what I'm gonna need on a day in and day out basis. But one thing that I am trying to take extra of on this trip is socks. And my feet are really important on a trip like this, especially when you're going to be on them walking all day long. You have to keep your feet in top, tip-top shape. And it's imperative that they're comfortable and you're not having pain from your feet because if your feet go, then it, everything degrades after that real quick. So... I want to have a lot of socks. Make sure that, you know, if I go through a pair of socks, I have something, another pair to repair it with. I want to have comfortable socks, you know, socks that fit well in my boots 
and on my feet as well. I'm not going to get too many blisters from and have the right amount of cushion and padding in the right spots. Uh, speaking of blisters, something to bring is moleskin on trips like this. If you get a blister on the back of your heel or up on the side of one of your toes or something like that, you can cut a piece off real quick, put it onto your blister, and then it keeps it from rubbing and reopening and not being able to heal. So definitely add some moleskin to your bag. So with my socks, what I like doing is, and it, it kind of took me a little bit to get to this point with the socks because I would, before I would always just throw all my socks into the bag and I'd be like, okay, here's my pile of socks. I'm just going to dig through them and take out what I need every day. And sometimes, um, dirty clothes get, if I'm in a scramble, get thrown back into the main bag that includes socks. And sometimes I would have dirty socks getting mixed in with clean socks. And one thing I do now is I take my socks and I roll a pair up together. So start on the open tube end and then just roll the two socks down together. And if I have a pair of socks that's rolled up, I know they're clean. If they're taken apart, I know that they're more than likely dirty and I probably already wore them. So just an easy thing for me to be able to distinguish clean socks versus dirty socks. Um, and I'm also trying to put all my clothes in a duffel bag into different compartments. We have some small packing bags that go inside duffel bags, so I'm going to utilize those. And then also Ziploc bags. So instead of just, you know, throwing all my things into one bag, I'm going to try and put all my socks together, all my top layers, shirts together, pants together, underwear together. So all I have to do is go through the compartments. I'm not just trying to go through a pile of clothes in my duffel bag. So I think that's going to help me keep things a lot more organized and a lot easier to find and get through. So I'm just trying to take one duffel bag of clothes for myself on this trip. So I probably will be wearing, you know, multiple days in a row, the same pair of pants, shirt, things like that. Uh, I might find, you know, a creek or a body of water, something like that I can dip clothes down into, wash them off if needed. Um, but yeah, I think that's how I'm going to roll. And then for, as far as footwear, I have two pairs of boots, one pair of thorough goods. They are usually my everyday wear in the uplands and then a pair of Keens. And the Keens are kind of like a smaller, lightweight hiking boot, but they're super comfortable. And I think they're going to be dynamite in a few places where the cover's really thin, grass is shorter. They're going to be really comfortable and a nice shoe to wear out there versus a bigger leather boot. And then on top of the boots, I'm just rocking a pair of Crocs back at camp in the evenings, in the mornings, or if I'm just hanging out for the time. So I've took in other pairs of shoes, like, you know, uh, lounge shoes or uh, my everyday wear boots before on trips like this. And I just, I, I never end up wearing them. So I'm going to leave those behind this time. And besides, even if it came down to it and one of my hunting boots blew out and I had to wear, my option was to wear you know, one of my everyday wear boots, it probably wouldn't be that comfortable walking around in those anyways. So I would have to find another pair of boots somewhere to get anyways. So that's kind of how I'm looking at the situation. So next I'm going to talk about hygiene and self-care. And to be honest with you, this was a category 
that I really forgot about in the past or thought it wasn't that important or was just like, now I need my clothes and my hunting gear and I'm good to go. But as maybe it's because I've matured a little bit over the years now and I'm not so just gung-ho on you know, going out and being uncomfortable and still having fun, uh, I've probably learned a few things from that over the year, and it's a topic and a subject that I take a little bit more serious now, uh, just to be able to keep myself fresh, clean, and feeling good on a trip like this. And it's really important to your morale, especially if you come from you know your your everyday life where you're used to showering, you're used to your hands being clean or being able to wash your hands at leisure or wipe your face off at leisure, clean yourself. On this trip, it's something that I'm definitely trying to take a lot more serious. So one thing I'm bringing a few of is just some small little washcloths, something that I can wipe my face off at the end of the day, get the dirt, dust, and wipe that all off, and then also just rejuvenate my face a little bit with some water. Uh, makes my makes you feel a lot better and it makes you feel like you have a lot more energy after you do that and I'm also bringing just a small little tub for water for doing this to put a little water in a little bit of soap I can dip the towel or the washcloth in there and then just wipe my face off get my hands clean wipe my arms and other things off and yeah I think it's going to make a world of a difference for at least you know staying clean and staying fresh feeling then, you know, with what goes without saying, toothbrush, toothpaste, and then two things that I've also found to be really important, especially on trips where you're walking around in, in the sun and the wind, is lotion and chapstick. Uh, chapstick is something that I load up with on trips like this. And if you're like me, I lose chapstick, <laughs> I lose chapstick caps and bottles like it's going out of style. I don't think, I think there's like one chapstick that I've gone through completely in my life without losing it and ended up using the whole thing. But I'm notorious for losing them. They get lost in my truck, bags, pockets, so many pockets, they always get lost down in all my pockets. So a lot of chapstick for me because I've gone on trips before and not had chapstick. And within two days, my lips are all cracking, swollen, red, sunburnt, and it's not fun after they turn like that. So chapstick is a game changer to keep them, um, you know, hydrated and your lips feeling feeling good. Same with lotion, you know, especially being out in the wind and the sun, it takes a lot of toll on your skin. So, you know, if I can, my hands start to get a little calloused or something like that, or really dried out, peeling, I can put a little lotion on them to just soothe it a little bit. As far as soap, bar of soap for sure. I've taken soap in containers before. First of all, soap containers are just a lot bigger and harder to pack. And then I've also had soap containers break open in bags. And it's an absolute disaster when that happens. And there's soap just covering all your stuff. And it just ruins the whole bag at that point. So bar of soap, a lot easier to store, smaller to take. And yeah, you don't get soap just pouring out into your bag so bar soap for sure alcohol wipes actually there's a few different wipes here that i'm going to talk about that i bring so one is alcohol wipes and that is just to you know sanitize my hands 
things like that. Um, if I, you know, cleaning birds or, uh, at the end of the day, I just want my hands to be clean or after handling food or something like that. Alcohol wipes to get my hands clean and sanitized, especially in a situation like this where I'm trying to be as efficient as possible with the water that I have. So washing your hands, it requires a lot of water. So instead of wasting water, I'm just going to try wiping my hands off with alcohol wipes to get them clean. And then going into kind of a tangent here with keeping my hands clean is I have a separate box for cleaning birds. It has all my supplies for bird cleaning in this one box. And in there I have rubber latex gloves, some Ziploc freezer bags, and then a pair of shears, a folding knife, and then a Sharpie for writing dates, uh, harvest dates, the type of game, etc. on the bag itself. But what's it, what I want to use on this trip is the latex rubber gloves for cleaning birds because if you've ever cleaned you know game in the past blood gets on your hand it gets up into your fingernails around the creases and the edges and then the blood dries in those places and it also gets into any cracks or cuts that you have on your hands dries there and at that point it's really hard to wash off you got to really scrub it to get it out and that's going to require a lot of water so if i'm trying to be as efficient as possible on water i think wearing gloves while cleaning birds is really going to help because then I don't have to wash my hands and really scrub them after cleaning birds. I can just pull gloves off, discard them, and then wipe my hands down with some alcohol wipes. Makes it really easy. And then, yeah, I'm just not wasting water that I don't need to be wasting by washing my hands. It's not to say I won't ever wash my hands, but I think in certain applications, if I can save a little bit of water, it's going to help me out in the long run. And then the next wipe would be dude wipes. These are wipes for cleaning yourself, wiping your hands off, or anything that you get dirty. They're awesome in the field. They have one side of the wipe is like a gritty texture style, and that really helps if you do have something you need to get up out of your, your hands and creases and stuff like that. Um, I've gutted deer in the past or cleaned game animals and had blood on my hands and that gritty side really does a good job at getting things out or if you have grease on your hand or dirt things like that that gritty side really helps pull that stuff out of uh, whatever it's down in and then you flip it over nice plush soft side to wipe off whatever debris there is or any residue that's left over. So dude wipes, really great for cleaning your hands, wiping things off. If you have something to scrub and get cleaned off, they work really well for that. And then the other wipe is lens wipes. And I wear glasses and I wear sunglasses as well. So regular glasses and then sunglasses. And I know on trips like this, uh, you're, they get smudged up, they get dirt on them, they get grease on them. And the best thing that I've found for cleaning glass glass lenses is these Zeiss lens wipes. They're alcohol-based. They get rid of everything without leaving any smudges or smear marks. Takes everything off. Gives you a really clean, crisp-looking lens when you're done. Small, easy to pack. You just rip the packet open, pull the wipe out, and then wipe off whatever glass material you have. Leaves it streak-free, dries fast. And yeah, the best thing that I've found for cleaning wipes would be 
Zeiss lens wipes. So that's going to wrap up hygiene and self-care. Uh, again, if there's anything that you guys think of that you take into the field, drop it in a comment below on this. Shoot me a message on Instagram. Would love to hear it. You can send us an email, uplander18 at gmail.com. Yeah, just shoot us a message if there's something that you would, you, you know, we've missed and you would say, hey, I use this and it's absolutely badass for doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, drop it a comment. We'll share it. Um, and yeah, it's probably going to be something that I want to add to my pack. So go ahead and shoot it over. So next we're going to get into sleeping and I don't have a whole lot to cover here. Just a few basic things. Uh, I'm going to be sleeping in two different spots. I've got a tent that I'm taking for setup. If I'm going to be in a spot where, you know, I have a little bit of time to set up a, a tent in the evening or, you know, maybe I'm looking for a little bit more room. And then the other place where I plan on sleeping is in the back of the cab of my truck. And uh, I'll probably be sleeping back there on my way out to Montana. I'm going to drive to somewhere from Michigan and I'm going to get somewhere 15, 16 hours down the road into North Dakota. And I'm going to have to stop and sleep for a few hours, catch some rest. So I plan on just sleeping right in the floor of the cab of my truck. It's pretty roomy back there. I've got a little blow up pad that I'll be putting down there as well as then a blanket on top of the pad. And this is kind of my little debate that I've been going back and forth with this air pad. It's super easy to pack when it's not inflated. It folds up and rolls up really nice. So it's easy to pack and then it's easy to blow up. So from that aspect, it's badass. What I'm a little concerned about though is just that the fact that it's air and when you go camping and you sleep on an air mattress or something like that, it's not ideal for keeping you warm because the air cools to whatever the air temperature is around you. So you don't get any insulation from it. So you ended up sleeping on something that's as cold as the air around you. So if it's 30 degrees out, your air and your air mattress is going to be 30 degrees as well. Whereas if you're laying directly on the ground, the ground is a lot warmer than 30 degrees. I mean, it's not going to be like laying in a sauna, but it's going to be warmer than whatever air would be in an air mattress. So that's kind of the one thing where I've been going back and forth. Do I get a pad to sleep on? It's going to be a little bit bulkier to carry, but it might keep me a little bit warmer at night versus the air pad. Now, this is just like a single person pad that I have. So it fits nicely in the back of my truck. I can also use it in the tent. So just kind of a little thing that I've had going on with myself on exactly what I'm going to do. If I took the air pad and used that, I could wrap it in a blanket or like a space blanket to keep it insulated and keep the air inside of it warmer. And that would probably help out a lot. And that's kind of where I'm leaning towards right now but it's probably going to be a game time decision on what I end up taking with me. So stay tuned for that part. So then I have a, a sleeping bag, a pillow, blanket, and then I also have a patch kit for the inflatable pad that I have. So in case it got popped or ripping it somehow, I have a kit to be able to repair it on the fly. 
And then another thing that I'm, I use and that I'm going to use inside of the truck and then as well as the tent to, and this is also going to help keep me warmer is it's called a damp rid pouch. And what damp rid is, is it's just a little thing that you hang up in wherever you're at. Uh, it could be a room in your house. It could be a tent, a camper, but what it does is it removes all the moisture from the air. It sucks it all up and it takes it and puts it into this little bag pouch. And it's super nice in camping applications because then I'm not going to wake up in the morning and have condensation wherever I'm sleeping, whether it's on the inside of the truck or on the inside of the tent because you have moisture coming out from your mouth as you breathe. So I want something in that tent or that truck that's going to get rid of the moisture for me. And that's going to help keep me a lot warmer at night. So that's really all that I had for sleeping arrangements or that I had to cover on sleep. So next we're going to get into food. So for food, this one's kind of a tricky one because I have to figure out how I'm going to fuel myself for three weeks out here. And when you're talking about, you know, long days of a lot of physical labor, you have to have some type of calories going in substantial calories because you have a substantial amount of calories going out. So how am I going to get adequate nutrition for my body to do this? And especially thinking about going from my home life to field life, where at home, my diet, it's a pretty blended diet. And I, we, we eat a lot of different proteins, a lot of different vegetables. And how am I going to be able to continue keep myself at that same pace while I'm on the road and not change up my diet too much and still be able to fuel myself for a trip like this. A big part of it is going to be, you know, eating what I kill. There's probably going to be a lot of that involved. I plan on eating some sharp tail or whatever birds we're after out there for the trip. And that's going to be a fun part of it, but I've also got to have some food as well to substitute in there that I'm taking as well that's not just birds and meat. So what I have is some freeze-dried meals that I'm taking with me and they're super easy to pack. They don't take up a lot of space. Uh, high nutrition, high calorie meals. So freeze-dried meals, gonna be part of my diet. I'll probably take a few canned things, a few canned vegetables, but how am I gonna get and take the most calories with me and eat up the least amount of space by packing food. So I'm gonna try and stay away from stuff like potato chips, junk food, stuff that really doesn't have a lot of nutritional value to it but takes up a lot of space. So I'm looking at more of protein bars, cliff bars, fiber bars. Um, fiber is actually a big one on a trip like this. And I'm taking specifically a container of prunes just to be able to make sure I'm getting a lot of fiber on a trip like this, especially on a trip where you're eating a lot of protein and a lot of meat. I, what I don't want to get is constipated from my diet changing a little bit and then being on the road. So fiber is going to help that out a lot. So prunes high in fiber, I'm definitely going to be eating a couple of those per day. So that's kind of my plan with food. As far as drinks, a lot, I'm going to be taking some Gatorade with me. 
electrolyte drinks, something that's going to give a little bit back to you versus just water. Obviously water is huge. I drink a lot of water, but then if you're, you know, you're spending a lot of time out exerting energy all day, those electrolytes help you recover a little bit faster, uh, especially right before bed. So just something to think about. And then as for packing food, I'm keeping dry goods in a container or a storage tub. And then I'm not planning on taking a whole lot of perishable goods, but I might take a few things and I'm taking a big Yeti cooler with me to keep stuff cold. And like I might take like some venison steaks or some venison burger to have like that one or two nights in the beginning of the trip, eat it up real fast, get it out of my cooler uh, before it sits there too long. Um, so I might take a couple things like that to eat at the beginning of the trip, but after that, it's going to be freeze-dried meals and eating what I kill. And heck, that could even be, you know, maybe one morning we're not going and, you know, chasing sharp tails. We're going to go sit over here uh, on this sunflower patch or canola field or by this farm equipment and try and do a little dove hunt. Uh, to get some lunch or something like that. So kind of cool, excited about that part. It's going to be a fun part of the trip, you know, the, the eating what you kill aspect part of it. So back to the cooler. A couple things that I want to touch on the cooler to, you know, to keep it cold and to get the cooler to perform at its best level that it possibly can. And one thing to do with your cooler is to freeze large chunks of ice, like fill up water jugs and freeze those, or large blocks of ice versus using cube ice, because the cube ice melts really fast, it turns into water, and it doesn't hold hold its uh, cold temperature as long as if you use like a large block of ice. The blo block of ice holds itself a lot longer, it doesn't melt as fast, and it keeps your cooler temperature colder for a longer amount of time versus cube ice that melts really fast. Another thing is making sure items are cold before putting them in the cooler. So if you're putting drinks, energy drinks, bottles of water, Gatorade, anything like that, if you're putting it into a cooler, make sure it's cold first because you don't want to put something that's warm or room temperature into a cooler because then the cooler has to exert energy and the ice inside has to cool those other objects down. So you end up burning more ice and cold inside the cooler than you need to. So put things into the cooler that are cold and not room temperature. And then make sure the cooler is cold before packing it. Uh, I'm not saying like take it into a walk-in cooler and let it sit in there overnight, but you know, don't let the cooler just sit out in the sun next to your barn and then like, oh, I'm packing for my trip for tomorrow morning and then you know the cooler is really warm when you start packing it make sure the cooler is cold it's been sitting in shade a dark cool area first um, maybe leave it out overnight if you're gonna leave in the morning leave the cooler out overnight in a cool place outside so it can cool down and then you're packing the cooler before the day heats back up the following day I've got some puppies chiming in the background, so I'm going to take a break real quick. A couple more things to get into on the coolers, but give me one second. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. 
had to get the puppies out for a potty break there. They all went, did their business, came back in the kennels again. They're settling down, but they're still making a few noises here and there. So I apologize if you hear a puppy, little bird dog chiping in. In the background, that would be one of the puppies, six puppies that we have here right now. So I think they're on their way down right now. They might make a little peep here or there. But anyways, getting back into the last thing that I wanted to mention for the cooler, and that is birds in the cooler after they've been harvested and cleaned. Obviously harvested. I don't really know how you would get live birds that, you know, you just caught off the street into the cooler. But I digress. Anyways, cleaned birds in the cooler. One thing I've ran into the past is when you put single bagged items into a cooler, a lot of times <laughs> puppies, hopefully it doesn't last too long. But anyways, when you put single bagged items into a cooler, they often either get punctured, the bag does, or the bag opens up at the top of the seal. And then whatever's inside that bag ends up leaking out slowly or filling with water or liquid uh, from the cooler itself in the bag. So now it's you have two things going on in your cooler. One is the bagged item is leaking stuff out into the cooler. And then also the hole is now absorbing whatever was in the cooler into the bag. So you have double soaked things. And I'm trying to figure out how to eliminate that in my cooler so I don't have blood from uh, cleaned birds getting punctured holes in them or the seals coming undone and then just leaking blood all into my cooler. And my original thought is to double bag the birds. I'm not sure if that's going to be a 100% uh, solver in this case, but I think it's going to help a lot. Another thing that I've thought about is if I take those cleaned birds that are bagged up and put them into a larger big bag in the cooler or even another some sort of container in the cooler, that would eliminate spillage of blood and other things into the cooler itself and keep it away from any other goods that I have in the cooler. So I'm not 100% what I'm going to do yet. This is a topic that I'm, or a subject that I'm pretty much going to make a decision on before I leave. It's an ongoing thing that I'm still thinking of. But if you guys have something you do that works really well, would love to hear it, would absolutely appreciate it. But that's kind of what the direction that I'm heading into right now. Okay, so moving out of food, let's get into dogs. A lot to cover in this category and a lot of things to consider for taking for your dogs, especially on an out-of-state hunting trip. So I'm going to dive into what I have packed for my dogs, uh, just regular, ordinary things that we use on a daily basis, and then also our first aid kits. Uh, I have a main first aid kit that I keep in like a big, I would call it like a toolbox, a big toolbox. And I have all my first aid supplies in there and as well as some other dog supplies like I keep their collars, anything extra that I need for them, charging cords for the co their collars, that kind of stuff stays in that box. So I'm going to go through that entire box A to Z and then I also have a second first aid kit that I keep in my vest. 
uh, while I'm out in the field. It's a very dumbed down version of what I have in the main box, but we're going to go through both of them. So getting into it with the dogs, number one is food. I have to make sure that I have enough food to cover the trip. So I feed my dogs extra while we're hunting. And so I need to account for that extra that I feed them uh, while we're on this trip. So I, what I do is I look at it and I, I do the math and I say, okay, I feed X amount of cups of food per day. My trip is going to be X amount of days. So I'm going to need X amount of cups of food for this amount of time period to fuel my dogs properly. And then even from there, I'll add on a little bit extra just to have it. So for this trip, three weeks, my four dogs, I'm looking at a little bit over 200 cups for the duration of that trip. So I've got it counted out. I'm taking a big storage tub that's going to hold all that food in it and then also have some room for their bowls and other supplements that I give them and things like that. So that's the food situation with the dogs. And then as far as packing for the dogs, things that I'm taking are extra collars, both flat lay collars and then as well as GPS collars and e-collars for them. I'm taking extra GPS antennas for my garments because I've had antennas break and snap before. Um, and speaking of that, to be able to change out the antenna on a Garmin collar, you need to have a small Phillips screwdriver to remove the plate to put that new antenna back onto it. So a small, small little Phillips screwdriver, definitely something to add to your box. A leash. And a leash is, I know it seems a little funny, like, yeah, of course I'm going to have a leash, but you need to have a leash, a leash in easy access in your vehicle, not just for potty breaks when you're stopping to get the dogs out to go to the bathroom, but what if there's some sort of emergency? What if we're in an accident and I need to get my dogs out of the vehicle? I have to have a leash on hand in a really accessible spot to get to so I can get my dogs out of the vehicle and have them under control. Um, boots. I have boots packed for the dogs, specifically Lewis boots. Really good boots. Have had great luck with them in the past, so we have boots packed. Uh, a kennel cleaner I have packed. It's called Scout's Honor Odor Eliminator. We use this in our, in our kennels to eliminate odor uh, if you know if a dog has an accident or the the kennels just need a good scrub down, we spray this in there. It takes care of any odor, scents, or any uh, bacteria as well. Kills everything and it cleans the kennel. Super nice. So I have Scouts Honor Kennel Scouts Honor Kennel Cleaner packed. And then on the subject of odor eliminator, I have Skunk Odor Eliminator too. I have just the regular Nature's Nature's Miracle. Personally, I've never had an encounter with a skunk. I know there's a good chance at some point in my time that it's going to happen, but I have, you know, fingers crossed, I haven't had to cross that bridge yet. So I don't know at this point if my skunk odor eliminator kit is up to par yet, if it's truly going to take care of the smell of a skunk. So again, if you guys have something, uh, uh, you know, something you do if a dog runs into a skunk that you have found that works really good, would love to hear it, so shoot us a message on that for sure. 
Um, I have a razor comb packed for the dogs, and these work, a razor comb or a furminator works extremely well for getting burrs or things that are caught and tangled in the hair of my dogs. I have Britneys, some of them have a little bit longer, thicker coats, you know, especially in the back of their tails and their feathering where fur grows a little bit longer. They constantly get things stuck in them, and a razor comb pulls all that stuff out super easily. And then kennel fans for the dogs. I have um, just some basic camping fans that are rechargeable that I got off Amazon. I attach them to the kennel doors and they're rechargeable. They last about 10 hours on a medium speed and then at a high speed they last 5 to 6 hours. So I usually run the kennel fans on a lower medium speed, get about 10 hours of use out of a fan and then I just recharge them from there. So if you want to see the fans, we have a video of them on our Instagram. You're going to have to scroll back from a few weeks ago to find it, but it's on there. And then just search camping fans on Amazon. And if you're looking at the video on Instagram, you'll easily see what the fans are when you spot them on Amazon, but work really well, good charge out of them. They recharge fast and yeah, I've had good luck with them. So let's get into the first aid box for the dogs. A lot of things to unpack here. So I'm going to start out with the first thing that I keep up top is hemostats, multiple sizes of these. You can buy a pack of an assorted pack of that's like a, you know, 10, 10 pack of hemostats in different sizes on Amazon. It's like under 15 bucks for it. Go ahead, grab one, throw a few of them into your, you know, your main box for your first aid kit. There's going to come a time where you're probably going to need them, uh, whether you're pulling uh, thorns out of a dog, a sliver, uh, anything that's lodged or stuck in the dog, um, porcupine quills, hemostats are great for that. And I also carry a pack in my or a pair in my vest as well. So if the dog comes back to me with something stuck on it, I just reach into my pack real quick, pull them out, and I can pull it out of the dog. Thermometer. I have a thermometer in my first aid kit. If there is something that's going on with the dog and maybe it's being lethargic, it's having stomach issues, I have a, I can take its temperature to see if it's something that's just going to pass through the dog, if the temperature is normal, or if the dog is running a fever. So a normal dog's temperature ranges between 101 degrees to 102 0.5 degrees. So a therm thermometer is going to tell you really fast if your dog is dealing with something serious or it's just got a little bit of something going on in its stomach that it's going to pass quick. So, and then for the thermometer, you're going to need Vaseline, especially if it's a rectal thermometer. You're going to need to put a little bit of Vaseline onto the th thermometer to insert it in the dog to get your reading. So Vaseline is perfect for that. And then what I also like Vaseline for is if your dog has a dry nose or dry pads, you can put a little bit of Vaseline on it and it just moisturizes it a little bit. So if your dog's nose is getting a little bit of cracked, a little bit of little bit, little dry, put a little Vaseline on it and it'll soften it up and it will moisturize it. Eye wash. Eye wash is a big one for the dog, especially when you're running in dry conditions. If you're running in ag land, uh, grass fields where the dog is going to accumulate seeds, 
things like that, debris that's going to fall into its eye eyes, you wouldn't believe the amount of stuff that actually comes out of your dog's eyes after running through a field. Um, I know probably a lot of people already know that. It's just something that I try to be really conscious of, of what's in my dog's eyes. And eye wash is critical just to be able to spray into a dog's eye after you're done with your hunt and just flush all that stuff out of there, all that crap. Um, if you miss anything, the dog usually does a pretty good job of itself with, you know, being able, its eyes being able to flush out and have moisture in it. So the next morning you might find a few things coming down out of its tear ducts. So just something to check as well the following morning for anything that's coming out or trying to come out of the dog's eyes after you flush it out. And then getting into the more technical stuff for wounds, I have saline wound wash. And this is a pressurized can of sterile fluid that you can spray into a wound to wash it out. Let's say you have a deep cut or something like that. It's got debris in it, grass, dirt. You need to get it cleaned out. Uh, this saline wound wash works great for spraying into those cuts, gouges, things like that to get any debris or floating material up out of the cut before you seal it up and bandage it. Then next I have EMT gel. EMT gel is some pretty badass stuff actually. It comes in like a little neo comes in like a little neosporin style container and it's antiseptic so it kills bacteria and then it also helps in clotting. So if you have a wound that's bleeding or gushing blood, just pack a little bit of EMT gel into it and it's going to help stop the bleeding. It works exceptional on small little cuts and then also pad issues. If you have a pad that rips or a nail that breaks, put a little bit of EMT gel into it, pack it in, and it usually, usually stops the bleeding really quick. So good stuff to have on hand. And then next what I have on hand is Neosporin something that's going to be some type of antibacteria that you can put onto a wound if you're trying to keep it clean or you're changing out pads on something you want to make sure it doesn't get infected you can put a little bit of neosporin onto a cut or a wound i have blood clot which is just small little packets that you rip open it's a powder you dump it onto a wound if it's bleeding profusely I've had to use it before one time. It clogged up the bleeding really, really fast, took care of the issue, and then I was able to clean it properly and get the wound wrapped up and sealed. So blood clot, if you have something that's bleeding a lot, works out great for situations like that. And then I have a spray bottle of this stuff that's called Happy Jack Heal and Seal. It's basically a liquid Band-Aid, so it works great for small cuts, or I use it when the dog maybe rubs the bottom of its pad a little bit raw, um, especially if the dog's been running through some harder country where it kind of, it doesn't rip a paw pad, but you look at it and you see where it's kind of rubbed off a little bit, and it's kind of raw in a spot. And I'll take this Happy Jack Heal and Seal and I'll spray it onto that little raw spot. And it just provides a nice outer barrier to the wound so the dog isn't licking at it or constantly reopening it. It also has like a bitter tart taste to it. 
So the dog doesn't want to lick that or, you know, chew on that. So works great for small cuts or things that you just need to get a little bit of a seal on to prevent debris, bacteria, things like that getting into. Uh, freeze packs. So cold packs, uh, you snap them, break them open, and then it turns cold. I have, a, I think I have three of them in my pack, you know, just in case something, you know, they're swelling on a dog, maybe it, you know, uh, turns a wrist or its ankle or something, and I'm dealing with a dog that's limping, it has some swelling on a certain part of it, and I can wrap it, at, and I can wrap this cold pack up on it and help try and reduce that swelling so it can heal itself. And then Musher Secret, um, it's kind of like a, I don't use this a whole lot. The biggest use that I have for Musher Secret is when it gets cold, it starts snowing, you put it on the bottom of their pads and it prevents snow from balling up on their pads and collecting and freezing to their pads. But you can use it if there's a minor scrape or something like that. If the dog's pad is cracking, it helps moisturize it. So you can use it in instances like that. Uh, then I have a razor scalpel, a pair of band-aid scissors, a skin stapler, and all those are meant to help for, you know, larger issues, bigger wounds, things like that. And then getting into what I have to wrap wounds, I have gauze pad, gauze rolls, and casting pad. So your gauze pad is used to absorb any blood, clean a wound, wipe up things, stuff like that. And then when it comes down, let's say now you have your wound cleaned, all the blood clotted up, you have it cleaned out, and you're ready to put a bandage or a wrap around it. So you would put just a little layer of gauze pad, and then what I, I have what's called gauze rolls, which it's basically the same thing as God pad, except it's not in a pad form. It's a little bit thinner, and you wrap it around uh, whatever you're trying. It helps hold the gauze pad in place. And then I have casting pad. I put the casting pad, actually, let me reverse this a little bit. It goes gauze pad, casting pad, and then you wrap it with the gauze roll. So the gauze pad is your first layer for absorbing blood, any discharge that comes out of a wound, and then casting pad, it gives just a little bit more of a pad to the wound for when you wrap it. So it's not like a tight wrap directly on the wound itself. So you'll put a little bit of casting pad over top of the gauze pad, and then you would wrap it with gauze roll, and then I would take uh, clear medical tape, wrap it around it, and then take vet wrap to seal the whole thing together so it stays in place and it protects it well. So again, I have vet wrap and then clear medical tape on top of all the gauze pad, gauze rolls, and casting pad in the first aid kit. Um, a couple smaller things I have is some wood handle cotton tips. And these come in handy if you have a deeper wound or like a deep cut on a paw pad that you need to get some EMT gel or some Neosporin into. It's sterile, so you would just put a little bit of EMT gel or Neosporin onto the end of that cotton swab. It's basically like a Q-tip with a long wooden handle. So you put that, uh, your gel on top of the cotton 
tip and then you can take that and you can push it through your wound to spread the gel or whatever you're applying and it's sterile so you're not doing it with your hands you're not putting bacteria onto the wound after you've cleaned it and then you would go ahead and wrap the wound um, let's see what else do I have in there oh I have a pair of walkie-talkies a um, couple different times to use walkie-talkies one would be with a hunting partner um, sometimes I'll use them with a hunting partner, especially if we plan on separating a little bit. And then also it's just a, you know, a decent thing to have as backup in your truck or your vehicle. You know, if you break down, your phone dies, then I could at least have a walkie talkie to try and go through a few different stations, see if anybody picks up on it and I can reach anybody that way. And then last thing that I have in there is hemp treats. And these are calming treats, and what I would use them for is, let's say, I have an injury on a dog, and I need it to sit in a box or a kennel for an extended period of time. And you know with sporting breeds, typically high energy, a lot of times they shrug things off. So let's say I just have a dog that comes up limping a little bit, and I need it to sit and chill for a few days. And a lot of times, you know, injury or not, it's hard for the dog to do. So what I would do is I would take some of these hemp treats, give it to the dog, get the dog to calm down, be a lot, you know, be a lot, be, be in the kennel in a lot better mind space, space than being so wound up. So that's where I find these calming treats come in handy. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the small first aid kit that I carry in my vest. And it's kind of like just a dumbed down version of what I have as my main box. So I have antiseptic wipes, which uh, alcohol based, they kill bacteria, clean wounds, kind of a similar thing to the saline wound wash, except I'm not carrying a big bottle like that in my pack to be able to clean a wound out in the field when needed. So these uh, these little wipes, they work great for being able to wipe a wound down or a small cut, something like that, to get it disinfected, kill the bacteria before you wrap it and get back to the truck where you can do your next round of treatment on it. A bottle of eye wash, I carry this in my pack just because, you know, sometimes the dog comes back to you and you can tell that something is in its eye, something's bothering it. Um, so you need something in the field to be able to spray the dog's eye out in case that happens. Um, I have a container of EMT gel that I carry in my first aid vest. Um, it works great for small cuts, um, something that's bleeding, or if you have a nail that rips out in the field and is bleeding really bad, put a little bit of the EMT gel on it, it stops it pretty fast. A pair of hemostats. If I got to pull anything out of the dog, uh, thorn, porcupine quills, stuff like that. A Leatherman, again, if I have to pull something out of the dog that maybe requires a little bit more grip, uh, then also it just, you know, it's also a multi-tool um, thing to carry as well. Um, I have a lighter, and I have that lighter wrapped in duct tape. And the duct tape is, you know, if I was ever in an emergency situation where I had to make a fire or something like that, the duct tape, you can light, the, you can light it on fire. The glue on it burns really well. Um, it burns for a while. So you're not trying to just uh, light like a little piece of, you know, small dry wood or even wet wood. 
if, if that's what you're dealing with. Um, the duct tape just burns really well to get a fire started. And I keep that in a sandwich bag because what good is a lighter if it gets wet? Um, and then I have gauze pads, a gauze roll, and casting pads. Vet wrap, clear med tape. I'm not going to get into those last couple items because I already hit on why I have those and how I use them in the main box section. And then I have dog aspirin and ibuprofen. So if the dog comes up limping for some reason, maybe it tweaked its paw or ankle somehow, and we're still a mile from the truck and it's clearly in pain, I can give it a little shot of aspirin, help it relieve, take down some of the swelling while we work our way back to the truck. Um, ibuprofen for myself. If I twist an ankle or do something like that, or maybe I just get a headache while I'm out walking in the field, the sun's been beaten down, I'm low on energy, ibuprofen help clear that up, take any swelling down. So that basically wraps it up for everything that I had down for the dogs. If I'd love to hear it, if you have any feedback for anything that you keep in your first aid kit as well that I missed on or should be having in my first case or first aid kit and or what viewers should have in their first aid kit absolutely send us a mes message would love to hear it okay now I'm going to get into preparing your vehicle for a trip like this and not in the aspect of you know am I do I have the right layout inside my truck or whatever I'm traveling in to support my gear but you know is my vehicle up to date on all the maintenance that I need to have done to it. Is it prepared to do a trip like this across the country? And I think maybe my background on this comes from growing up in a household where my dad was a mechanic. So he was always really hard on me like, hey, you know, are you checking your fluids in your vehicle? Are you checking your, you know, do you, do you hear that? You have a ball joint going, you know, things like that. So um, my dad has always kind of drilled that into me um, growing up because he was always thinking of these things and I never really thought of them until my dad really started saying more about them. So, you know, if you're not mechanically inclined yourself, you know, take your vehicle up to your local, you know, uh, mechanic or auto repair shop, have them look at it, say, hey, I'm going on this trip. Can you guys just look over my vehicle, make sure everything's good on it. And then they'll come back to you, tell you you're good to go, or like, hey, you should consider having this changed, whatever it may be. Um, then a fresh oil change. Um, you should have fresh oil in a vehicle before you go on a big extended trip, especially across the country where you're going to be putting thousands of miles onto the vehicle. So just make sure you have a fresh oil change in the vehicle. And then also having a quart or two of oil on hand. Um, I've had it in times before where my vehicle has been running low on oil or is burned halfway through oil or even on trips. I've dro driven so many miles that now all of a sudden I've reached the mileage point that I should have my oil change and I've gone over that by a few thousand miles. And especially on trucks, they burn through oil really fast. And like I know in my truck, if I get down to where I need an oil change and I go a thousand miles past that, I'm probably going to need a quart of oil to put into the vehicle just to keep it topped off. So just something to think about, you know, making sure all your fluids are full, 
you have oil on hand in case you need it. Um, another thing to have is a tire hole a patch or plug kit. Uh, I've had to use it once on one of our vehicles and then we also had, we were hunting up north a few years ago with a friend and he came up with a nail in his tire and we were way back in the middle of bum shit nowhere, northern Michigan, not even anywhere close to a main road and he's losing um, air in his tire and we ended up finding the nail. Luckily, I had the patch kit in my truck. We pulled the nail out and we patched the we patched it and then another thing to think about and this is something i don't have but my buddy justin had it in his vehicle it was a air compressor that plugged into a cigarette lighter and so we plugged that in and we actually we so we patched this guy's tire and then we filled it up with air right there in the field so just a couple things to think about you know well if you did drive over a nail are you going to be able to patch it and are you going to be able to fill your tire back up with air before you can get somewhere to be able to do those things properly? So being able to have that stuff in your vehicle, it can be, you know, a game changer in certain situations. You hope that it doesn't come up, but yeah, it absolutely could. Um, another thing to think about is having an extra gas can, just a small little two gallon container. Um, on some of the trips we've done before, we have taken one. I don't think I'll be taking one with me on this trip just because I'm probably going to have to go back and forth between town a couple times um, to either get gas or get ice or any supplies that I may need uh, if I got to run to a gas station for something like that refill on water so i'm not too concerned about gas but it is something that we have packed in the past before just because we were like man we, what if we came into a situation where we were running low on gas and we were way out in the middle of nothing and we had the you know you have that security blanket on you basically so that's really all that i had on vehicle prep so moving on from that i'm going to get into some gear and these are, this is just some things that I think are important and a couple of them you should probably pack extra of. And one being a headlamp. A headlamp is something that I'm packing extra of because one, it's going to be key every time the sun goes down. So I'm going to need light. I'm going to be able to need to see things, whether I'm cooking or, you know, putting dogs away, doing anything around the vehicle, getting situated for the night. And if I lost my headlamp or it broke, um, I'd be pretty SOL and it would make life a lot tougher. So I have an extra one packed as well in case something happens to the first one. A good lantern. Um, Again, light is really key, especially when you come, you know, it's nighttime and, you know, you're not in a city area or a well-lit area. You need to have a reliable light source. So again, on top of the headlamp, I have a lantern. Um, rechargeable batteries, AA and AAA. I am a fan of lithium rechargeable batteries because I don't have to just burn through batteries and you know batteries are expensive to begin with you know especially if you get the good stuff Duracell or Energizer you put those and like I run my Garmin uh, Astro 430 remote and 
it burns through a pair of batteries a day every day and a half so that's a lot of batteries for that thing to be cycling through so thinking about a trip that's an extended period that's a lot of batteries for me to cycle through so i use rechargeable batteries um, saves me a little bit on money in the long run and then i can just keep recharging batteries instead of you know going through pairs so instead of having to pack 25 pairs of batteries i can condense that down and pack just a couple pairs and just recharge them as time goes on um the walkie talkie i think i already hit on that in the dog box uh, guns i'm taking two guns a 12 gauge and a 20 gauge uh, with the appropriate amount of ammo for both gauges you know just in case i i enjoy shooting both guns but if i was counting on just one gun on the trip and then something happens to that one gun what am i going to do i guess i would have to go and find somewhere to buy a gun but i really don't want to be out of a gun on a trip like this so two guns i even feel like i could use a third gun because if you have one gun that goes down now you're down to just one gun and it's like ugh, really hope nothing happens to this one but two guns is what i'm taking and then a gun cleaning kit to go with them, which would include just a bottle of Remlube, WD-40, some barrel snakes, and then some rags to wipe down oil. Um, I have a propane grill for cooking on. Obviously, I'm going to have to take propane tanks for that. I'm taking a cast iron skillet to cook on um, just because cast iron is really simple to clean you can basically just wipe it out as long as your pan is seasoned really well you just wipe it out rinse it with a little bit of water and you're done it's not like it's something that i'm gonna have to scrub with soap really hard to get residue or stuff like that off of so cast iron skillet for cooking um, i'm gonna have a folding chair just for hanging around at night or in the morning um, or if i'm not hunting I have my tent, my bird cleaning box, which again, that has rubber gloves, Ziploc bags, a folding knife, shears, a Sharpie, and that's what's inside the box. Um, from there, I usually take a pair of binoculars. I always come in situations, see, binoculars is like one of those things that I always debate on taking or not. And it's really not that big of an item to pack and take, so I usually try and take them because I have found that if I don't take binoculars, I end up needing them. I'll drive past something and I'm like, hey, is that a bird way back in the corner of that field or way down there in that section over there? Like, what is that over there? Or, you know, sometimes I've, is that little blotch out there? Is that another person hunting that field? You know, you pull up your binoculars, you look real quick. Oh, no, that's just a stump out there. That's not somebody hunting out there. So that's why I like taking a pair of binoculars. Um, a T-post fence step. This is something that goes on a T-post. It gives you a stepping platform to go up and over uh, barbed wire fences very easily instead of trying to push it down and cross over in the middle and ended up ripping your pants and catching it on the barbed wire. So makes it really easy for crossing fences. And then charging coat or charging cords for my phone. I take a couple extra because my phone is really important to me. Um, if I, I've had chargers break before, you know, it's just a little piece of wire 
if it becomes smashed in a door or it bends or gets twisted too many times, it can easily just pull right off. So I usually have a couple of charging cords for my phone on hand. And so, yeah, I think that wraps up the gear segment, everything that I had laid out for there. And then how am I going to charge all this gear, all these rechargeable batteries, all my dog collars, um, walkie talkies if I had to, my phone if I had to, I'm taking a laptop, how am I going to charge that laptop? And my solution to that is a rechargeable 300 watt power bank and I have it connected to a solar panel and so what that's going to allow me is to use AC power, DC power and then I can also put USB cords into this power bank. So it's just basically like a little small little generator that I power with a solar panel or charge with a solar panel. So my plan is to, while I'm hunting, leave the solar panel outside of my truck connected to this little uh, power generator inside the truck um, and then just let the sun work its magic all day, recharge the power bank, and then at night I'll have a full charge to... Uh, charge all the things that I have to and luckily with like Garmin uh, GPS collars and e-collars I found with the ones that I run I can get about three days of use out of collars before having to recharge them so that's something that's going to help me out with um, not having to blow through power so much um, I can recharge my rechargeable batteries GoPro batteries other things like that and then also my truck has two AC outlets on it that I can plug things in and charge stuff but the problem with that is the truck has to be running so in situations where I'm traveling to the next spot or going somewhere else I can definitely be charging things but if the truck is shut off I won't be able to charge anything but what I can also do with my rechargeable um, 300 watt power bank is I can plug it into the truck and charge it that way so if it's a really overcast day and I'm or it's storming out and I'm not able to charge it with the solar panel I can plug it into the truck and charge it that way so kind of a neat little dual feature there. So yeah, that's really how I plan on keeping myself, you know, fully charged and powered with all my electronics on the chip trip. So yeah, I think that that covers it for the most part, everything that I had written down on the show sheet to go through. Um, I still have a few loose ends for stuff to wrap up before this trip. It's coming up fast, but man, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I'm looking forward to getting out there. It's going to be a lot of fun with the dogs. Going to be meeting up with a few people, a few buddies while I'm out there um, to hunt with. And yeah, it's going to be a pretty damn good time. I'm excited to get back into bird hunting again. It's been a long off season. It's coming up really quick. It's been a long summer. Uh, it's been, we've done, we've been really busy here at the house doing everything with Uplander, the puppies, and yeah, I'm just excited for some some time to get out and, you know, be able to get back out in the field and, you know, have a little breathing room from daily life that's going on, as I'm sure everybody else is excited about that aspect. You know, that's a big part of why we do it. It's an escape from our daily routine. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to that part of it and just being able to let go of a few things and go have fun and hunt for a few weeks. So it's going to be a big trip. Really excited for it. 
coming up fast. If you guys have any comments, anything that you think I should add to first aid kits, anything you know that I should pack and take on a trip like this, or anything that you think listeners should know about taking on a trip like this, things that work great in your setup that you enjoy, you've had good luck with, would love to hear it. Shoot us a message, drop us an email. Um, you can contact us on Instagram, Uplander Lifestyle. Send me a message. You can shoot us an email, uplander18 at gmail.com. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot to cover in this episode. I feel like I might have skipped over a few things. There's probably a few things I could go back and touch on a little bit more, but yeah, excited for this trip. Hope you guys are excited as well for the upcoming season. I'm going to have YouTube videos coming from this whole entire trip, so be sure to follow along on that. I'm going to be doing a few updates here and there while I'm out there. So yeah, just be looking for what's going on on the Uplander Lifestyle social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, and then YouTube as well for the videos of the hunts from after the trip. So yeah, thanks a lot for the support, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you here next time on Bird Talk.